Grace and peace to you from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, when Pastor Gary asked me to uh, speak today, uh, I first said, where are you going? Why aren't you going to be here? And uh, as we all uh, want to spend uh, time with our families at Thanksgiving, I don't, I don't blame them a bit for uh, taking this little break before uh, the big busy Christmas season. And uh, we pray that uh, he is being blessed and uh, uh, renewed and refreshed uh, before that, that busy time. Um, but when, when he asks me, and it's not all that often, I usually have something that's been on my heart. And you might be wondering where I'm going with uh, these verses that Donna just read and, and you just read. Um, but this has been on my heart, and I have prayed about it, and I, I, I pray that it's a, a worthy um, message for you to hear today. And it kind of fits with Thanksgiving. So in your Thanksgiving time, I, I hope you um, prayed with your family and uh, thank God for the beautiful food and all he provides and all of the good things that happen to us in our lives. But did you thank God for your weaknesses? I know the guys out at deer camp um, talk about the trophy buck. They may uh, talk about some great things that they've done uh, in the past and looking forward to more great things and uh, probably a lot of other things that doesn't leave deer camp. Um, but uh, I can't imagine they were talking about their weaknesses. Why in Corinthians does Paul tell us, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. This verse is contrary to everything I ever knew about Paul of Tarsus. Paul wrote most of the New Testament. He wrote letters to all the different churches. It's the New Testament. He wrote letters to Timothy and, and others who were his disciples. That's most of the New Testament. Paul was blinded, beaten, stoned, and left for dead three times, bitten by a poisonous snake, shipwrecked many times, imprisoned, all in Jesus' name. He's telling us he's weak. Where was his weakness? And if he is weak, What's that say about me? What's that say about all of us? Why would Paul gladly boast about his weaknesses? This is God's upside-down world. In weakness, I'm strong. Through his wounds, we are? Yes. In suffering, we are strengthened. In dying, we are born again. The greatest among you shall be your servants. And it is Isaiah 63, 3. He gives us beauty for ashes. What is it about God's story that weakness becomes strength? In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he begins with this statement, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
to begin this most famous and incredible sermon with being poor in spirit, Jesus must think it's of great importance. So in this talk, I would like to focus on this paradox. When we become spiritually poor, we become rich. What does being poor in spirit look like? And how do we attain it? Some people call being poor in spirit being born again. We give all we have to Jesus, our pride, our hope, our plans, our dreams, and put them into his omnipotent, unlimited power and omniscient, all-knowing hands. You may not know this, but many people in our congregation have already done that. Today I'm going to talk about Paul of Tarsus. You know, Paul was first known as Saul of Tarsus, and I hope I don't mix this up for you. Last week, Pastor Gary talked about Saul, the Benjamite, who became the first leader, the first king of the Israelites. This is a different Saul. Saul was riding a horse to Damascus on his way to arrest Christians. He was a proud and violent man, zealous for the word of God, imprisoning people who were spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Saul was knocked off his horse by a bolt of lightning. He was blinded, frightened, humbled. He heard Jesus speak to him through the thunder. Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul was frightened and humbled. He did not eat or drink for three days. You can't live much more than three days without drinking. I'm sure he was praying and repenting, asking for forgiveness, asking for guidance, asking what he was doing wrong, persecuting Jesus. You see, Saul was a Pharisee. Pharisees memorized the whole Old Testament. He was steeped in the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments. Pharisees thought they could follow those Ten Commandments perfectly and earn their way to heaven. They turned the Sabbath into a difficult list of rules and rituals instead of a time to honor and love God. Saul knew about God, but he didn't know God. I'm going to say that again. Saul knew about God, but didn't know God. He didn't have a personal relationship with him. He was all about the law, all about his strength, all about what he knew, following rules and punishing anyone who threatened it. Paul knew the Bible, but he didn't display any of the love, kindness, forgiveness, mercy, or submit himself to our Lord and Savior, but rather relied on his own knowledge, his own power, working his way up the Pharisee ladder of power, and he used fear to try to purify the Jewish culture. Paul had to be blinded so he could see Again, the upside-down world of Jesus. As scales fell from his eyes, 
Saul, who became Paul. And when we become a new person in Jesus, the names have been changed in the Bible, and it sometimes makes it confusing, but he became Paul. Paul opened his eyes and his heart to Christ and let Christ's power enlighten him to understand the scriptures in ways the Pharisees did not teach. The way it is intended to be understood, power is perfected in weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. James 4, 10. Paul could kill Christians. He could do terrible things, and Jesus could still use him. In fact, it made Paul all the more humble. He called himself, himself the least of all the apostles because of the persecution he inflicted on so many. The Bible says, he, God, is mindful that we are but dust. From dust we came, and to dust we will return. He knows we're not going to be perfect. We can make mistakes, and God can still love and use us. God saw the conviction Paul had for the old law. He knew he could use a man with conviction on his side, and he got himself a magnificent player in Paul. But yet, Paul had to humble himself become poor in spirit to acquire God's awesome power. When God created us, he gave us free will. He knows we will try to live on our own strength. And we will probably live that way until our strength is gone. An accident, divorce, losing a business, losing a job, or a sickness that leaves us on our deathbed shakes our world. These are times we really realize how powerless we really are and come to realize who is the only one who holds power. We can have an entire bank account wiped out by about a cancer. We think we are safe with the little kingdoms we build up in this world, but they are fragile. They are a house of cards compared to the kingdom of God. Once we realize that, we can come to understand this world was never about us and the things this world values. It's all about loving our creator, Jesus Christ. In Deuteronomy today, we learned that God kept the Israelites in the wilderness 40 years to humble them, change their hearts, and for him to know what was in their hearts, make them realize they could trust God more than their own power, their own wisdom, their own strength, and receive God's love and love him in return. Spiritual poverty means we submit ourselves to a higher power God is a glorious king, one we will love to serve. He is perfect, all-knowing, all-loving. He will take our ashes, our fears, worries, anger, pride, failures, doubts, our sin, 
and heal our brokenness. Strengthen us and set us free to have life, life in its fullest measure, John 10.10. He will stretch us and challenge us, much like he's doing to me right now. But whatever God has led me to, he has led me through. Now that's not in the Bible, but a verse like that is in Exodus 23, 27 through 28. When following God and obeying his commands, he says he will send his terror ahead of us and will send hornets before us to drive out our enemies. Jesus also tells us in Matthew 28, 18, he has all authority in heaven and on earth. And we can do what he asks us to do, and he will always be with us, even until the end of the age. Blessed are you when you are poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. When we realize how broken we are, we die to our old self and ask God in, realizing that all we have valued in this world is trash compared to attaining his beauty, love, and incredible grace. I once had a, a pastor say that everything we cherish and own in this world will someday wind up in the garbage. And think about it. Stuff gets broken, stuff gets out of date, and when we leave this world, our kids will pitch so much that we have in the dumpster. Really, that is so short-lived. When we live for the kingdom of God, that's for eternity. When we ask God into our hearts, he can change us more into the image of his son. So when we have him in us, he can work through us and with us into a needy world. Now as for myself, 10 years ago, Barb and I attended a weekend Christian retreat called Vita Cristo. I was still prideful and pretty sure of myself being able to keep up with the other Christian men. I could put on a Christian face when I needed to. And throughout the weekend, in listening to different talks, I started getting cold. I'd go back to my cabin and put on more Under Armour and try to warm up. I started shaking. My hands were like ice. I kept hearing the message that I had always missed about God's grace and his incredible love for us. I had always in my mind thought God kept score of the good things I did and the bad things I did, and I always tried to keep the good things higher than the bad things. But I finally realized God didn't want me to do good things. He didn't want me to give money to church. He wanted me. He wanted my heart. He loved me and wanted me to love him back. He loves you. And wants you to love him back. I finally surrendered to him and gave him my ashes. I said, if you want me, you can have me. 
have me as I am. And at age 56, I finally saw myself for who I really was, an imposter acting righteous, pretending I knew God, pretending I could earn my way to heaven. And when I gave that to him, I was suddenly flooded with warmth and a feeling of joy. I became poor in spirit, and God was able to fill me with his perfect love. And I had love for everyone that day, everyone who surrounded me. And I haven't stopped smiling since. In fact, my life, my family's life, had been enriched for having Christ in our lives. I gave him so much, and he asked so little. He promises his yoke is light. And that promise and all of his promises are faithful. If you haven't surrendered to Christ, don't be afraid. You will never lose more than you will gain. Blessing after blessing is waiting for you. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15, 5. So, if you want to do something, abide in Christ. God is waiting for us to take the first step. He's not a puppeteer. He will not coerce us into loving him. In making our first step, in making room for Jesus, we have to give up something. Give him your ashes. Give him whatever you can. And then he will build you with his beauty. He can heal you. And then when you have more faith, you can give him more. He will make you whole step by step more into his image. And it happens step by step. So much of what we read about the Israelites in the wilderness is our journey with Christ. God tells the Israelites in Exodus 23, I will drive your enemies out before you little by little until you become fruitful and can take possession of the land. It's that way with us. He builds us up little by little until we become fruitful to take possession of him in his kingdom and go further. God doesn't demand perfection. Come to him as you are. He sent his son to a terrible death so he could have a relationship with all of us. There is nothing he will not forgive, heal, or strengthen. He is mindful that we are but dust. He will never give up on us. He will never fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Deuteronomy 
being poor in spirit is just the beginning of our relationship and our journey with Christ. Power is perfected in weakness. We don't always suffer, but we know those who have been suffering and been humbled in this life. They are bold, brave warriors for Christ. Many live a life of gratitude, always thankful, thankful for each day and every new experience. Through their suffering, we are healed. People around sick people with cancer and with all sorts of afflictions write the most beautiful prayers. They come to know God intimately and know that is where power lies in this world. It's a world he created, a world he put in order and made the rules for. He knows our beginning, he knows our end, and we can only hope in finding favor with him and his love, we can spend eternity in perfected love with our creator. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Now, if you are willing, tell God you need him. Empty yourself to the King of Kings. Don't just listen about God and know about him, but come to know him residing in your heart. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of Christ. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. And may we all give thanks for our weaknesses. For as we come to him, confessing our brokenness, our loving Father will fill us with his beauty, wisdom, and strength, little by little. Will you stand with me, please? I'd like to pray for you.